nothing holds us back. In Jesus' name. Thank you, my Father. Hallelujah. I came up here faster because I'm, I'm ready to teach. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Amen. And I just want to welcome you tonight. It's, it's, it's teaching night, right? So you bring a notebook and you learn. I'm, I'm, sometimes I preach, but most of the time I'm going to teach you, you know, and I'm going to break it down so you can leave with something. And the Holy Ghost, you know, put this message in my heart last week as I was studying. And I'm, I'm sitting a little bit on marriages, a little bit on the men. And, and uh, you know, I guess the wives can then will appreciate you tonight because I'm going to kind of step on some toes, I think, you know. But I'm going to teach you, you know. Hallelujah. But before I get started, when we come together as a church like this, as a group, there's we always should have a little testimony or or a poem, a psalm, or a song, or a scripture, you know, that we can share with the body. And I think uh, I heard someone here, I think Joanna has a scripture she wants to share with us. And the revelation that she got out of, she was all excited. So I said, hey, that's good. I think somebody here needs to hear that too. So where is she? So, oh, now I got to find it. Okay, so uh, it's 2 Corinthians 5.1. So I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation, and it reads, We are convinced that even if these bodies we live in are folded up at death like tents, we will still have a God-built home that no human hands have built, which will last forever in the heavenly realm. We inwardly sigh as we live in these physical tents, longing to put on a new body for our life in heaven. In the belief that once we put on our new clothing, we won't find ourselves naked. So while living in this tent, we groan under its burden, not because we want to die, but because we want these new bodies. We crave for all this is mortal to be swallowed up by the eternal life. And this is no empty hope. For God himself is the one who has prepared us for this wonderful destiny. And to confirm the promise, he has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring as a guarantee. So when Pastor Jesse... Um, he, he shared with me something about what he was going to share. And so that scripture had already came up. And so I had went and I dissected that word. And it was so amazing, like, what, what I received from it. Because it's like, this is our, our earthly this is our earthly tent, you know. And like he says, we, we have a, a greater glory that we're in expectancy for, which is for eternity. And that's to be in heaven. And it's not like, like he says, we're not, we're not waiting and expecting to die. But we know that when we do... That, you know, death is swallowed up, you know, and, and we have the victory, even if death comes. Like, the victory is still ours because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I had wrote this, that if our earthly tent, our flesh is destroyed, we still have the eternal hope. The house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. Earthly sufferings are light compared to the eternal glory that awaits us. There's so much more to us than this earthly body. And it goes to John 14, 2. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. Jesus goes to prepare a place for us that, that, await, that we await for, you know, this glorious place that we'll be able to dwell eternally. And that when we receive these eternal, eternal bodies, life completely conquers death. And so death is swallowed up in victory. That's what I wrote. He gave us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Like when you put down a down payment on a car or a house, it guarantees that it's, it's yours. And like an engagement ring. So I did share with him. And like... Marriage wasn't something big to me back then because, um, like, I, I had got with my husband, uh, you know, really young. And we knew only, like, the life of the world, the love of the world. And 
if you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. You know, so it was always like seeking revenge after one another, being competitive with one another. And so, you know, a wedding ring to me was nothing. My wedding ring is somewhere lost in a pawn shop or some somebody probably already bought it, you know. But thank God that that wedding ring is coming back and, it's you know, it's it's coming back. And, and in Jesus' name, you know, we're going to get married here in, in, in church, you know, with the pastor. And so I'm just I'm just so thankful for these teachings because. Now I see life at a different perspective, not how I used to see life. You know, I see marriage now as a covenant, you know, just like with me and my heavenly father. It's a covenant that we're in. You know, I, I vowed to give him my life because I owe him everything and what he's done for me in my life. And so it's the same thing with marriage. Like you, you lock it in, you know, until death do you part, you know, until sickness or, or in health, you know, you stick it out and you fight the good fight of faith and you fight and stick in that marriage no matter what, because you've already gotten married. And so. Uh, it, it's it's just it's so good. God is so good, and thank you so much, Pastor Jesse, for letting me share this this uh, scripture. Hallelujah! That's what church is all about, and that's you know I love that because I love my students. I love them to learn. You know, I don't want them to holler, yell, scream, dance, and then go home and act the way they always acted. I want them to change from the inside out. And so that, to me, makes me happy. When she called me and she shared that, I had already made my message. So I said, man, that's how great is the Holy Spirit? Because he had already gave me some words to kind of towards in, the, in that realm. Not quite all the way, but I'm going to touch on that tonight. Amen. And uh, young people and young people that have not got married yet, young ladies and young men, take notes because you can avoid all those bad marriages that your parents had. And a lot of people winded up in divorce. Some people have been married two or three times. Uh, that shouldn't be, you know. So young people, if you learned this lesson tonight, take notes. It will not happen to you again because you're going to see yourself as a different person. And you're going to see the girl as a different person. And that's what I'm going to share tonight. But before I, before I get, I, I was uh, studying the word. And every time I come across a scripture, I want to teach on it, you know. I mean, this is like. Everything I read, I want to teach. I mean, I can't teach everything in one time, but but it, I get excited. But I, I went across this one, and I think, uh, you know, everybody needs to hear this one. It's Isaiah 26, 3 in the King James. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace. And I always underline certain words. In perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because you tr he trusted in you. And how many of you need peace? Okay. Perfect peace. And so tonight, if you want perfect peace, do what God said. Keep your mind on him. Forget your problems. Leave your problems at the door and start thinking on him. And when you hear scriptures like what you just heard, start, start figuring it out in your mind. Say what you heard. See what that means. And, and ask God to give you revelation. And so start, because I think about my, my lesson on me for three or four days in a row. And I don't have time to think on problems or anything that's happening around me. And so as I keep my mind on, on he, keeps, he keeps giving me more words and more words to share from the same scriptures. And, uh, and so I have perfect peace. And, you know, I, I walk in perfect peace no matter what, you know. I have perfect peace tonight, amen. And do I face storms? Yes, all the time. But do they shake me? No. Because I know who the greater one is and I know who our healer is and I know who our doctor is, amen. And tonight, you don't have to, if you came in sick, you're going to leave healed. Because um, another thing he has, the, the Holy Ghost put in my heart is to, to anoint you with oil. You know, as an elder, he said, if there's any sick among you, call the elders of the church, have them anoint you with oil. 
in the prayer of faith will heal you. And I know some people came expecting to be healed. Are you hungry tonight? Can I teach you? Hallelujah. I'm going to teach you what you have in Christ. And I'm, I'm going to start with Genesis 1-1. Hallelujah. Genesis 1-1. That's the beginning of our manual. You would think, well, I already read that. Well, we're going to read it again. In the Amplified, you know. I, don't, I didn't plan to go long, but, you know, I hope, you know, I hope this, this lesson doesn't turn to be too long because I don't want to keep you this long. But in the beginning, God, who? In the beginning, God, who? God. What did he do? Underline the next word, created. He created how? By forming nothing, by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. That's a powerful verse right there. In the beginning, God created, and I just took the word created, and then I started meditating on that all day long. What does that mean? Our Father, he, he is a creator. And if he's a creator, and because our Father is a creator, say, my Father's a creator. That means that you're a creator, see, and not a destroyer. When we were lost and we were not yet the sons and daughters of God, by accepting Jesus as our Lord, we were the sons of the devil and daughters. We don't want to hear that, but we were. We were destroyers. We were not creators. Everything out of our mouth destroyed. It not only destroyed our surroundings, but destroyed our peace and destroyed. Instead of, instead of ushering in peace, we ushered in destruction, angriness, you know, and upset. Can you say amen? So you are a creator and not a destroyer. So put that on your nose that I am a creator and not a destroyer. So are you getting it? Right off the bat, I'm sure some of you already got it. Before you became his born-again son or daughter, you were a destroyer and not a creator. So today you sit here as a creator. Say, I am a creator. Say, I was designed to create. Hallelujah. I will not tear down. See, we can create an atmosphere. That's what, wherever we go, we create an atmosphere. Like when we come to church, you created an atmosphere of praise. See, we all created that. All of a sudden, we had an atmosphere in this building of praise. But, and the presence of the Holy Spirit just was ushered in. But who created? We created it. You know, he didn't just come in on his own. By us creating that atmosphere, the, the Holy Ghost ushered himself in here. The more we create that, that environment, the more we have God around us. And the more we have God around us, the more he knows what you need. Because he knows that you are here. He knew you were going to be here tonight. And he knew some of you that are going to need this lesson. Hallelujah. So you can create an atmosphere also. Because you can create an atmosphere, most marriages, you know, they come to church. They come, uh, I've, and I, I'm talking by experience from a long time serving God. I've seen marriages, and I've, you know, we've been in several different churches, and I've seen even the pastors destroy their marriage, you know, by creating an atmosphere in their home. They come, and they worship, and they sing, and they dance, and then they get home, and they're crazy. They're, they're here, you don't, you're not angry in church. You smile at everybody, shake hands, and you say, but then you go home, and then you scream at each other. How do I know? Because I've prayed for a lot of people that have angriness. And if you have angriness, then that means that you must demonstrate that at home, you know. And so what you can create a, an atmosphere of fear in your house, an atmosphere of hurt in your kids. And when they see daddy come in, everybody's scared, you know. And that shouldn't be. Your kids, when, they, when the daddy's coming home and mom says dad's coming home, they, they should get excited. 
you know, and they should man how great that is something wrong, but there's homes that are in trouble. And they create that atmosphere of fear and hurt at home. And your children, they go hide, you know, because they know, uh-oh, they're about to start screaming at each other. You know? And what I want to do is change you from the inside out that you, at home, you'd be smiling at each other just like you're in church. And you'd be hugging each other and tell each other, I love you. Martha and I tell each other several times a day, I love you. I love, I love you more. No, I love you more. You know, and that's what we hear. I love, I love, you know. So if you can create whatever you want because you are creating hallelujah and the great the great news to you tonight is that you can create the garden of eden around you did you hear me the garden of eden around you so husbands listen up god gave you the power to create a great marriage i said husbands a lot of times the husbands let the wife do everything it's not supposed to be so that's not the way god created god created the man to create the household the Garden of Eden should be taken care of by you. Say me. Men. Hallelujah. So let me start with this Song of Solomon. And like I said, young people, write this in your notes and go home and read it so you can understand this. Wives, write this down. If, you, if you're not here tonight and your wife's here but your husband's not here, put, put this Solomon, Song of Solomon 4, 12 to 16 in the Living Bible. Read it to him. When you get home, read it to him. And if you're watching by YouTube, read it to each other. Hallelujah. That's why when I read this, I feel like blessing marriages tonight, you know. Not all marriages, just the ones that need it, you know. Not every marriage needs it. You're okay. But the ones that need it, you know who you are. I can bless you, you know. I'm a, I've been a man of God since 1973, you know. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, taking care of my guard, the garden of my delight for 46 plus years, and I'm still taking care of her. And, and I'm happy and, and I'm blessed. And I can, you know, uh, my blessings can go a long way if you accept it. But you got to yield to it, okay? Thank you, Jesus. So it starts like this. My darling bride. If you're a husband and your wife next to you, look at her and says, my darling bride. See? Some of you have never said those things. Especially, you know, like, like what Joanna says. When they got married, they didn't know how to talk to each other like that. They just say woman or whatever, you know. You know but my darling bride. It's like a private garden. It's what? It's like a private garden. A spring that no one else can have. Did you hear that? A spring like a garden that no one else can have. Thank you, Jesus. A fountain of my own. You are like a lovely orchard bearing precious fruit with the rarest of perfumes, nard and saffron, heteromus and cinnamon and perfume from every other incense tree, as well as myrrh and aloes and every other lovely spice. You are a garden, a garden fountain, a well of living water, refreshing as the streams from the Lebanon mountains. That's your wife. Did you hear me? That is your wife. Say, that is my wife. When you think like that, how can you be angry? How can you fight? You know, This is what God told us as the wife was. And then the next scripture says, the girl, which is your wife. So this, this is what she tells back. She says, come forth, north wind. <laughs> Awaken, come, south wind. Blow upon my garden and, 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 uh, and weft. And weft means to move by the wind. It's lovely perfume to my beloved. Let him come into his garden and eat his choicest food. You hear that? 
That's why young people, find someone that will talk to you like that and will know who you are before you marry them. And if they have this in their heart, they will never hurt you. Hallelujah. Now, Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 in the Amplified. Even so, husbands. Even so, who? Say, I'm a husband. Raise your hand if you're a husband. There you go. He's talking to you. Even so, husbands should and are morally obligated to love their own wives. The who? Their own wives, not somebody else's wives. And I'm saying that because I know. I was there. I was in the world once. You know, I mean, I know how men think and how they are. But he said, love your own wives. If you love your own wives, you're in a hurry to get home. I'm in a hurry to get home every day, you know. You know, but Beatrice can tell you that I'm crying home to get home because she tells me, you know, because I want to be home, you know. Hallelujah. And <laughs> your own wife, and being, in a sense, th your own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever, no one ever hated his own body, but instead he nourishes and protects. He does what? He nourishes and protects, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. That's how you're supposed to take care of your wife. Nourish her and, and uh, what is that? Protect her. Hallelujah. Turn to your wife and say, I love you. And wives, turn to your husband and say, I love you. Smile at him. Look at him. So let's create a Garden of Eden at home. Are you with me? Let's create and not destroy your home. I'm putting the fault on the husband because he's talking to the men. You know, Genesis 2.15 in the Kingsman says, And the Lord God took the man. Who did he take? Are you the man? And put him into the Garden of Eden. To what? To dress it and to keep it. Can you repeat that? To dress it and to keep it. He took the man. Are you listening, man? Underline the three words. And to keep it. Keep it in the Hebrew means to hedge about, to guard it, to protect it. Or do not let an intruder in. If, you, if an intruder ever came to your wife, that was your fault. You let him. See? And I know I'm talking to, you know, you, you have a past and you know what that, what happened, you know. Some of you have experienced that, you know. Well, it's, it's a man's fault, whatever happens. If you, if you keep your wife the way God wants you, she'll never leave you nor forsake you. She'll always want you back. Because there's not many men that will treat her like the Garden of Eden. But you will. Th and this, and this, when I read this, this leads me to something else. I've taught the men this once. When I see a wife sitting on the outside and the husband sitting on the inside, I kind of think, I kind of know who the head of the house is. Because it says protect you. How can you protect your wife if she's sitting on the, on the outside and you're sitting on the inside? I mean, I've changed a lot of the men here. They, they heard me before when I used to teach the men, you know. Because when you walk down the street, do your wife walk on the side of the traffic or on the side of the, of the grass? See? If your wife walks on this side and you walk on the side of the curb, then you, she's, she's protecting you. See? So whenever I walk in any building, I'm going to sit on the end and my wife's going to sit next to me so I can protect her. When I walk down the street, I'm going to protect her by walking on the, on the outside and she walks on the inside. And so men don't think that way, see. But a wife, and subconsciously, knows that, see. 
she can feel it. When, when her husband puts an arm around his right arm around her, not his left arm, you know, then she can feel that he's protecting me. And wives, you might, I know that, you know, in, in the world you become hard, you know, and you start like, like Joanna said, you do me, I do you. But that's, that's how the world takes it, but not in the Christian world. In the Christian world, you love your wife like Jesus loves the church. He has his arm around you. You have your arm around her. Are you listening? Practice that. Hallelujah. Genesis 2.16 and 17 in the King James. And the Lord God commanded the man. Who? See, we hear all this uh, Garden of Eden stuff, and we always blame Eve for everything. No. It says here that the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you know, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Command means that he orders you, men. But of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. He told Adam that, not he didn't tell Eve. He told the man, and the man's responsibility was to teach the wife when she did come. That, hey, you're not supposed to touch that. He's supposed to kick that snake in the face, you know, that was trying to offer that to his wife, you know. And men at home, you teach your children, you teach your wife. That's why it's important for you to learn the word of God more than your wife, even though a lot of it, that's backwards. The wife comes first, she learns, and then she goes home and drags the man in. But it should be like that. The man should, that are here should be go home and read the word to his wife and his kids and say, this is what we're going to do from now on. I am the head of my house. We're going to serve God. We're going to obey the word. Thank you, Jesus. You know, he commanded the man. Are you listening? Under, underline those two words, commanded and surely. Those are strong words. We have heard him tell us several times, if we are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Isaiah 119. If you are willing and obedient. So the first thing he said to man, you should not touch this. And he's telling us, by the word, you should not do this, you should not do that, you should obey me, you know. And the man, is, it's his place to teach the family to obey God. And, 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 and let, me de- let me break those down. The definition of command is an order, a demand. When you order something, if you've ever been in the army, when they order you to do something, you do it. You don't turn around and say no, you know. When they, they order, you learn to obey, you know. So, so that's the same thing what God says. He demanded, he ordered to demand, not just to ask or request. And, and then the word surely means without a doubt. Not maybe. Are you listening? He said you would surely die. That's why we all died, because of the first sin, you know. And we came into the church dead. We didn't know that. And when we heard that, we used to argue with us. I'm not dead. Yes, you are. Because our life is spiritual life, not not brain in your body. Are you listening? So never forget, if God said it, that settles it. It's done. God cannot lie. Once the words come out of his mouth, it's done. Who's getting it? See, once, once you hear the word of God, it, it's done. There's no backing up. The good news is that you are a creator. And once it comes out of your mouth, it's done. And you have to know that because when you don't know that, you say stupid things out of your mouth, and don't and you got to remember, no, I can't say that. Take it back. Because once it comes out, it's done. I'm broke. I'm sick. I'm hurting. I need help. All those words destroy. You're supposed to say what God said about you. You create health. 
You create prosperity. You create it with your mouth. Please tell me that you're getting it. Let me repeat this. You create, but if you don't understand, you know, who you are, you will destroy. Like anger, you know. Uh, I said before, lots of couples come to church several times a week, but at home they still yell and scream in anger, and you know who you are. You know, if you don't get your way, man, you scream at your wife, or your wife screams back at you. Your children see you. What kind of example is that? And they know. I thought we went to church Sunday. You know, your kids are the ones that are out there. You know, they'll correct you because they know, you know. And you don't want your kids to call you a hypocrite, you know. Not your children. You got to throw them. Are you understanding? Anger destroys, but peace builds up. So if you keep your mind on him, supernatural peace will be in you. And peace is what your family needs to see. When they see their father, they need to see a peaceful man, a joyous man. Man that walks around the house saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your kids need to hear that. Thank you, my father. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, over and over. And that brings peace into you, and it builds up. The man of the house is the teacher of his house. Say, I'm the teacher of my house, and I lead by example. Adam did, did the opposite of God's command. He ate from the tree. Don't blame the woman. He ate it. He, he could have he told her, no, I'm not eating. You, you were commanded not to eat that, so you want to die, you die. I'm not eating it. You know? <laughs> That's what we got to tell our wives now. I'm not doing that. You know? She said, yeah, but I want to go to a movie. Well, I don't go to movies. You know? <laughs> I want to see this program. I don't see that program. You know? I mean, you're the one that takes charge of your house. You know? So he ate from the tree, and that is called rebellion. Say rebellion. And in God's word, rebellion is called sin. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Romans 6.22 says, uh, or 6.23 in the King James. And I like the second half. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gave us eternal life. Adam died spiritually the instant, say instant, that he sinned. Not the day after. Not later when he found out that he ate the tree. No, the instant that he that he disobeyed God, he died. The instant that we disobey God, we die. And we have to know that. So we're not going to do anything that creates rebellion out of our mouth. We are holy. And once we know that we're holy, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. We don't have to have sin in our life. We can say with our mouth, I am holy because he is holy. And his body began to die at that same moment. Did you hear that? Adam wasn't supposed to die. But at that moment that he did rebel, his body started to die. Now, did he die uh, right off the bat? No. The physical died. took a while to die because he didn't know how to die. Listen to this. Adam did not know how to die. He was designed to live forever. And we were created to live forever. But sin, say sin. You know, but sin, that was it. They start to die. Science tells us that every cell in our bodies regenerate or recreate every 7 to 11 years. Did you hear that? God made our cells in our bodies to regenerate every 7 to 11 years. We were supposed to stay young forever. But because in Adam, you know, we died like he did, you know. Take, take note. It took Satan 900 years to kill 
for the t-shirt and half the belt. 900 years for him to die physically. <laughs> Let's back up to Genesis 2, 16 and 17 again. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, say the man. Because it goes again. Saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Because for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Now, the tree of knowledge. So listen to this and take notes. Take this with you tonight. Adam had no need of physical knowledge. Did you hear me? He lived in a world of revelation knowledge. A tree of life was in him. He didn't have to know how his senses operate. So listen closely to this. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation knowledge on this. God's purity was in him. And when you got born again, God's purity is in you. You don't need physical knowledge. You can live by spiritual knowledge. Are you hearing me? He saw in the spirit and he spoke spirit words. His tongue created all that he needed. He had no need for brain knowledge. Are you hearing me? The devil can only enter through our soulish realm or our brain, our thoughts. And Adam had no need to think. He need, anything he wanted, he just spoke it. And, and once you understand all this about yourself, anything you want, you can speak it. You don't have to ask. You don't have to beg. You don't have to try. You just speak it. Thank you, Jesus. You need to get revelation on this because you are born of the Spirit and should operate in the Spirit. So get out of your mind. Say, I'm out of my mind. Create with your spirit. The Word of God creates faith in your heart. Learn this, men. You're the leaders of your house. You want to be different. Your wife's going to look at you different after tonight. She'll say, you're, you're my leader. You know? I love you. You're my leader. Thank you. I'm your garden. Your wife is the garden of your delight. And, and all you have to do is tend to the garden. You tend to the garden, she's going to love you. Did you hear me? I know. I see marriages here. And they're going to have a marriage conference going. And some of those marriages were fighting each other all separate away. And, all, and now they're teaching marriage classes. Hallelujah. And it makes me feel good because I have, I, I have a part in I have a part in being your teacher. And that makes me feel great when I see you. Teach your family what you're learning. The devil needs to teach our minds to think evil or negative. It's the devil that teaches our minds to think like that. The devil is the same today as he was then. He uses the same deception against us and our family. He tells him, come, you can do it. Your parents did it. They don't want you to have fun. See, they tell your kids that. Your parents did that. I hear your parents, you suck. Okay, you try. You know, you, you, they just don't want you to have fun. It won't kill you. This what, that's what the Adam told, told Eve. You won't die. You won't surely die. What happens in here in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> Nobody will know. You know, and here they go. The devil deceives, deceives your children. That's why, husbands, you got to be on top of everything. And you got to sit down and get Bible study with them in the dining table. And open your Bible to this scripture and share it with them. And I'll say that. I'm, I, I love our young people. Our young people don't have to have bad marriages. No, they have. When they see the girl as the garden of their delight, they'll start thinking different about it. You know? and, and the wife saying, you are, I am your garden. 
want to smell my perfume. Man, you know, from the first day you love each other, there shouldn't be no people living together without marriage. If God gives you that person, you know, God gave me the garden of my delight when I prayed for her. God knows who told me marry her now. I mean, I couldn't marry for 30 days to, in Texas, and we went to Louisiana to get married. Because because I wanted to, he told me, no, go ahead, go to Louisiana and marry her now. Don't, don't live together. Not one day. And that's what we did. We got married now. Because that's now, now I can say those words to her. You are my garden. And I will tend to you and I will take care of you. And I've been taking care of you, like I said, for 46 plus years and still good. And still ready forever. Well, you're learning tonight. See, the devil deceives people. Think about this. All Adam saw and did was very good. He had no need to know the difference between good and evil. Take note. To me, that sounds like a person that God made rich but wants to know what, is, what being poor is like. You hear me? You don't need to know what sin brings because you're rich. Don't, you don't need to know how tough work are. Forget about that work. You, know? you can create finances. You can create a better life just like you can create a better marriage with your mouth. God will not let you down. What comes out of your mouth, you can have. Are you hearing me? Can I break it down some more? That tree contained the knowledge of knowing the difference between good and evil. In, in Hebrew, it says the knowledge of blessing or calamity. Calamity is a state of deep distress or misery caused by a major misfortune or a curse. Are you listening? I pray that the Holy Spirit gives you revelation tonight. The fall of man was directly connected to his tongue. That's a big one to write down. The, your fall is going to be is going to be directly connected to your tongue. Your blessing is going to be uh, connected to your tongue. Can you say, Amen? Adam gained knowledge of how to produce blessings and curses, and he didn't have to know that because all he was blessed already. You're blessed. You don't have to know how to produce blessings. Just continue to talk blessing words. Keep this information in your heart. Before he ate from that tree, he had, he had been eaten from the tree of life. And the only words out of his mouth were life words. Revelation words that he was, it, it, it was revelation words that came out of his mouth because he was like God, a little G, like God. His words created, and it was very good. But now, if I say, but now, he had knowledge of bad things. And his words started to speak words of calamity, words of curses or misfortune. His eyes were open to the natural world, open to knowledge of good and evil. The word evil used in Genesis means adversity, affliction, bad grief, hurt, harm, and bad trouble. He made a very dumb move, and his eyes opened to this ugly world. Are you with me? The reason that you need to be a teacher, husbands, because there's a lot of jumping television. You know, even we sit down and watch a basketball game. All the commercials are nothing but sickness and disease and bad, you know. And that's it. So you, you got to even watch that. You got to, sometimes you can't even see that. You got to put it on silent during commercials. Um, are you with me? Our eyes were closed to the, be to, the, to the beautiful spiritual life when we were lost. So we were blind to the good things 
and eyes wide open to ugly, perverted, natural things. Are you listening? Who's, who's relating this to our, to our past before Jesus? Everybody's so quiet. Jesus was the second Adam. He was sent to give us life. Can you say hallelujah? In Titus 2.14 in the King James, it says, who gave himself for us, who? Jesus. Gave himself for us that, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Did you hear that? He gave himself for us that we might redeem us from all bad things. Once you got saved, you were redeemed from all bad things. Are you hearing me? Redeemed from every lawless deed. His own special people. How can you not preach? He made you a special person. Say, Jesus, thank you, for I am a special person. Are you ready for some more? Good news, right? Since we were once dead with Adam, thanks to Jesus, we are now born again. Say, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 in the King James. For as Adam all died, even so Christ shall all be even though, even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Say, because he lives, I shall live also. Hallelujah. We need to get back to the Garden of Eden. So we start by obeying Romans 10, 8 to 10. Are you ready? Romans 10, 8 to 10. We always quote this because this is the most important verse in the Bible. But what said it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Where is the word? In your mouth. That's how near us. That if you, say if I, confess with my mouth, with my mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Hallelujah. That, take this note, the first created miracle was created with your mouth. The first created miracle in your life, you created it. God didn't create it, you did. For with the heart men believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you spoke the words. You said, Jesus, come into my heart. That was the word, and he came. So the first miracle, you created it. Man, we should write that down. God didn't create it. He didn't save you. You saved. You did it with your mouth. Confessing means to agree with God. So listen to this. Christianity is confessing from beginning to end. What is Christianity? Confessing, talking, saying. The miracle is in your mouth. Who got it? Every time you speak the promises of God, it creates what God said. Before you became a living spirit, all you spoke was your mind. I'll give you a piece of my mind. That was what you meant, mistake. What you saw, what you felt, what you perceived. But now, say, but now, you can eat from the tree of life, the word of God, and begin to speak what God said and not what you think. Are you getting it? Proverbs 18, 21 in the Amplified says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Where? In your tongue. Hallelujah. And those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of that word. Bear the consequences of what you say. 
Did you hear that? Death and life. What else is there? <laughs> you are either dead or you're alive. Think about it for a minute. Are you dead or you're alive? Have you been quickened by the Holy Spirit? Then speak words of life. Thank God for Jesus. We were on our way to hell. And some were living in their own hell here on earth. But they can live and not die. We have the good news. Are you hearing me? I will never forget that day after hearing a man of God preach God's word. My mouth cried out, God, if you're real, and he saved me. My, my desires changed, and I got hungry to know more about him. My eyes popped open, uh, hallelujah, and my heart became soft, and I started to eat from the tree of life. Someone tonight is living with the same testimony. Just ask God, if you're real, then change me. He will. Isaiah 118, hallelujah, came alive. It says, 18 to 20, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. Another version, it says, if you're willing and obedient, I will make you rich. So, if you're willing and obedient, he will make you rich. That's how easy it is. And all you have to do is confess, I'm willing and obedient, Lord, so make me rich. That's it. You shall, you shall devoured by the word. You shall, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Devoured means destroyed, to be consumed by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And God cannot lie. Say, God cannot lie. If he said it, it's so. Thank you, Jesus. Make it a man. Here's where the Holy Spirit is taking this lesson. Let's learn. Are you with me? To confess. And that means to agree with God. To say, I agree with God. To say, I agree with God. So let's start and take down every verse that I tell you. First John 4, 4. Say, I am of God. I agree with God. I am of God. So just repeat that. First John 4, 4 says, God said, I have conquered. I have, I have conquered uh, the evil one. So I agree. Say, I have overcome the devil. First John 4, 4 says, I have overcome already. Because greater is he that is in me, that he greater than, than Satan who is in the world. So say, I agree. And I confess, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Galatians 3.13 tells me, that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So say, I agree and confess, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Thank you, Jesus. Confess it over and over every day around your house, around your children. God tells me in Galatians 3.14, I am living in the blessing of Abraham. So I agree and I confess that I am living in the blessing of Abraham. God tells me in Deuteronomy 28.3, I am blessed in the city and I am blessed in the field. I agree with God and I confess that I am blessed in the city of Houston. And when I go out of the city, God told me in Deuteronomy 28.6, I am blessed when I go out and I am blessed when I come in. I agree with God. Hallelujah. Are you getting it? 
And I confess I am blessed when I go out and I'm blessed when I come in. Confess it over and over. Are you confessing that? John 10, 10 told me that Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. But he came so I can have life. And, and I have it more abundant. So I agree. So I confess. I know who I am in Christ. I bear the name of Jesus. Say that. I bear the name of Jesus. So Satan cannot steal one thing from me that God has given me. I agree with God. And I confess over and over. Are you with me? God's word says in Ephesians 6.10 that having done all, I stand. I agree, so I confess. Confess this, I will stand my ground. And having done all, I stand. I stand strong because the word of God told me in Ephesians 6.10 that I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I agree, so I confess I will stand my ground because I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his and his might. I am strong. I am healed. I am more than a conqueror because he said so. Hallelujah. Bow your heads now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, my Father. Thank you for your word, your wonderful word tonight. Let no one live, leave this place as he came in. If you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, make it tonight. Raise your hand or come up for the altar like we normally do. And let me lead you into the Lord or more of your marriage. If you, if you need a better marriage, I will bless some marriages that need it tonight. You come up to the altar and I will do it. And if you need healing, just come and tell me and I'll anoint you with oil and you will leave healed tonight. In Jesus' name, as, as the, uh, as the pray, uh, worship team prays, plays, I will pray for y'all. Thank you, Father.